From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 182 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I'm a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. This weekend, when I record this podcast, it will be Memorial Day weekend. We are called to remember all those men and women who gave their lives in service to our country, in service for us to be able to practice our faith in freedom. May we defend religious freedom so that their sacrifice was not in vain. In episode 182 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we will first discuss our Saint of the Week, Blessed Angeline of Marciano, whose holiness led to her founding a religious community. We'll hear a homily for the sixth Sunday of Easter as Jesus tells his apostles to keep his word. In the segment, Catholics in the News, we will encounter a priest in France and his story of faith and courage. In our segment, Truth in the Media, we will learn about a new book that challenges us to see the love of Christ. In the segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will attempt to understand a recent newspaper article. Finally, during our Truth Topic of the Week, We will hear the truth from Pope Francis about Jesus' power over evil. All of this, plus music from Spirit Chill, who sings, He Will Come. This and more on episode 182 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week. Blessed Angeline founded the first community of Franciscan women, other than the poor Clares, to receive papal approval. Angeline was born to the Duke of Marciano in Italy. She was 12 when her mother died. Three years later, the young woman made a vow of perpetual chastity. That same year, however, she yielded to her father's decision that she marry a local duke. Her husband agreed to respect her previous vow of virginity. When he died two years later, Angeline joined the secular Franciscans and with several other women dedicated herself to caring for the sick, the poor, widows, and orphans. When many other young women were attracted to Angeline's community, some people accused her of condemning the married vocation. Legend has it that when she came before the king of Naples to answer these charges, she had burning coals hidden in the folds of her cloak. When she proclaimed her innocence and showed the king that these coals had not harmed her, he dropped the case. Angeline and her companions later went to Foligno, where her community of the Third Order Sisters received papal approval in 1397. She soon established 15 similar communities of women in other Italian cities. Angeline died on July 14, 1435, and was beatified in 1825. Her liturgical feast day is July 13. Blessed Angeline de Marciano, who lived her vocation as a virgin and a religious, loving and serving the Lord, our Saint of the Week.
Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the sixth Sunday of Easter, as we hear Jesus telling his apostles to follow his word and to be at peace. There once was a king who announced a prize to any artist who could paint the best painting depicting peace. Many great painters sent the king several of their best art pieces. One of the pictures among the various masterpieces was of a calm lake perfectly mirroring peacefully towering snow-capped mountains. Overhead was a blue clear sky with fluffy clouds. The picture was perfect. Most of the people who viewed the pictures of peace from various artists thought that that was the best among them all. But when the king announced the winner, everyone was shocked. The picture that won the prize had mountains too, but the mountains were rugged and bare. The sky looked angry. There was lightning. This did not look peaceful at all. It looked like the artist had mistakenly submitted his painting depicting storms rather than peace. But if anyone looked closely at the painting, he or she could see a tiny bush growing in the cracks in the rock. In the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. In the midst of the rush of angry weather, the bird sat on her nest in peace. This Sunday we celebrate the sixth Sunday of Easter, and we hear from our first reading from the Acts of the Apostles. And Paul and Barnabas are hearing that those new converts have a disturbed peace of mind. They're upset. They're not at peace because they're being challenged with following the rules of Judaism, one of which is circumcision. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, they write a letter to these people saying, don't worry about that. Be at peace. What's important is following God's word in doing what is right. In our gospel of St. John, we hear Jesus tell his apostles that his peace is a peace beyond all understanding, not the peace of the world. So I think on this sixth Sunday of Easter, my brothers and sisters, we are called to think about this question. Are we experiencing and living God's peace? Often the answer to that is no. Why? Because we often equate peace in a very different way. In our world, peace often is the absence of of war, right? Of absence of conflict and absence of severe problems disturbing one. And that is often the world's definition of peace. And in that definition, of course, when there are struggles or disturbances, peace goes away. Another definition of peace that we often live by in this world is that peace is kind of a feeling You know, it's being relaxed and chilled out and, hey man, I'm at peace, that kind of thing. But again, like all feelings, they come and they go. And when we're talking about that kind of peace, it will not last. And neither will the peace of the world when we're faced with the storms of the world when we're faced with financial problems, medical problems, relational problems, work problems, whatever it may be, our peace goes out the window because it is not a peace that can last. 
The only peace that can be with us no matter what is the peace of Jesus Christ, that peace that truly defies all human understanding. So how do we get this peace, this peace that we can't completely understand? It starts, really, we really learn the answer to that in our Gospel of St. John. Three things, really. It starts first with love. We can't have the peace of Christ if we don't love Christ, because Christ is a person, and that means a relationship. So if we have a relationship with Jesus, if we encounter him, if he means the world to us and we love him, we will be able to begin the process of experiencing his peace. Secondly, we must, Jesus said it, whoever loves me keeps my word. What's his word? To love God above all else and to love one's neighbor as oneself. So if we are wanting to be filled with his peace, we must be filled with his love and we must obey his word. Even if the world says it's wrong, even if we don't feel like it, even if our emotions lead us in a different direction, we are called, if we are to be at peace, to love him and to follow his word. And the third element, which is kind of highlighted or at least mentioned offhand in the gospel, is to put our trust in him. If we are to be at peace we must surrender control of our lives to him. We must trust him above all else, not just when things are good, but in the storms. In fact, knowing that Christ is in those storms. And as we read that famous passage from the Bible of Jesus walking on water in the midst of a storm and Peter walking out and when he realizes he's on water, he sinks. But when he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he's able to walk on the water. When we're able to keep our eyes on Christ, when we're able to focus on him, on his love for us, on his commandments that we are called to listen to and obey, we can, no matter what occurs in our lives, health difficulties, financial difficulties, relational difficulties, challenges of any kind, we can be at peace because we know that we are not alone. We know that we are loved. We know that we are cared for. We know that we are forgiven. And we know that our Lord will not abandon us. My brothers and sisters, the world's peace is like everything else in the world. It does not last and it goes away. But Christ is offering us his peace. Our part is simply to say yes to it, to love the Lord with everything within us, and to commit ourselves to living his word in the world. And if we do this, we can take heart that what Jesus says to his apostles, he says to us, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now let us listen to Spirit Chill, who reminds us he will come. Cat. 
Catholics in the news. As the whole world watched the photos and videos of Notre Dame Cathedral burning on April 15th, Father Jean-Marc Fournier's face became indelibly associated with the terrible fire on that first day of the week. It is an image of heroism and hope imprinted in the minds of millions of people, thanks to the courage of this French priest shown in rescuing the, the Blessed Sacrament the crown of thorns and the tunic of St. Louis, in guiding firefighters through chapels and corridors while the flames had already consumed a significant part of the cathedral. Born in 1966, Father Fournier was ordained a priest in 1994 and joined the French forces in Afghanistan in the 2000s. There he lost 10 comrades during the Uzbin Valley ambush in 2008. In 2011, this priest went back to France where he joined the Paris Friar Brigade as their chaplain. In 2015, he was called in the scenes of three terrible terror attacks that occurred in Paris that year. The shooting at the newspaper Charlie Hebdo, followed by the kosher supermarket siege, and later that year the evacuation of the wounded at a theater attack, going in even as the shooting was occurring. During the event, Father Fournier was seen praying before the victims' bodies and offering a collective absolution for the, to the wounded. When reflecting on his running into Notre Dame to receive and retrieve church relics, Father Fournier said, For us Christians, all the relics related to the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ are extraordinarily important. Sometimes one needs tangible signs. Father Fournier stated he remembered the beautiful Easter homily of Archbishop Michel Apetet of Paris, who said it was necessary to save the cathedral, which was built with an incredible architectural genius, and it was necessary to save the treasures as well, because it was the fruit of fabulous artisans and faith. Father Fournier said it was necessary to save the crown of thorns, but that all of this makes sense only if it is related to the truth, which is the real presence of Jesus. Father Jean-Marc Fournier, who ran into a burning building, a cathedral, to save holy relics of the church. This week's Catholics in the News. Truth in the Media No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion, is a new book by Dr. Edward Seary that helps us walk with Christ during the hours of his passion. This book is a biblical pilgrimage that reveals Christ's amazing love for us. Seary guides us through the last hours of Christ's life. We walk step by step with Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane to the Mount of Calvary. Every step of the way, Old Testament prophecies, Messianic expectations, biblical symbolism, and historical context shed light on the mystery of Christ's suffering and death. We will experience in this book a deeper understanding and appreciation of God's immeasurable and unconditional love as we draw closer to Jesus than we ever have before. We will contemplate in this book such questions as, What was Jesus going through at each moment? How did the Old Testament foretell of Christ's death? Why did Christ die for us? 
What did it accomplish? What was the meaning behind of the tearing of the temple veil, the crowning with thorns, and other events of Christ's passion? What do the cryptic last words of Jesus mean? No greater love, a biblical walk through Christ's passion, a new book by Dr. Edward Seary, helping us to encounter Jesus and reflect on his great love for each of us. This week's Truth in the Media. A recent op-ed story in the New York Times is entitled, Abortion Saves Lives. In this story, a Colorado-based late-term abortion doctor argues that because women are more likely to die in childbirth than from complications related to abortion, that pregnancy indeed then is dangerous. Abortion, this doctor says, can be life-saving. Pregnancy is a life-threatening condition, the doctor goes on to say. Women die from being pregnant. We have known that for thousands of years, says abortion doctor Warren Hearn. Hearn wrote in his piece, in response to the recent developments related to abortion in Alabama, where the governor recently signed a near-total abortion ban into law. In Alabama last year, Hearn writes, nearly six out of every 100,000 white women who gave birth died as a result of their pregnancy, and among black women, it was 27.6%, Hearn writes. Hearn claims that from this data, a ban on abortion would disproportionately harm black women, citing data suggesting an abortion procedure is much less risky than giving birth. He offered a list of potential complications that can result from pregnancy, as well as risk factors that can make pregnancy, in his view, especially dangerous. So let me try to understand this. A doctor is saying that because poor women who don't get adequate health care could die in childbirth, that abortion then saves lives? Killing a baby saves lives? Are you kidding me? What is this doctor smoking? I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Christians recognize life's great paradox that so much evil and temptation exists in the world, but that God is always present too ready to help and give people the strength to persevere. Pope Francis recently said this as he spoke about evil and the presence of God. Each person, he said, has been given life, dreams of love and the good, but is then continuously exposed to evil, aimed against himself and those around him, so much so that we can be tempted to despair. In fact, the Holy Father went on to say, Christian prayer does not close its eyes to reality. Christians know that life can be very difficult, painful, or unjust, and they pray that God, who is greater and stronger than any evil, would offer strength to go on and would deliver us from evil. Jesus teaches us, the Holy Father went on to say, to always turn to God, especially when they can feel evil's threatening presence, which St. Peter said was like an angry lion always circling, ready to devour us. The last lines of the Lord's Prayer that call on God to not abandon us and to deliver us, he said, 
are petitions for all who find themselves in dire straits. In a situation of sin, persecution, desperation, or even death, the mysterious presence of evil is an absolute certainty in people's lives, since the devil spares no one as he moves silently like a serpent carrying venom. Deliver us from evil, the Pope said, is a cry against evil that can manifest itself in so many ways, such as slavery, innocent suffering, exploitation, mourning, and the cry of innocent children. Christians know how domineering the power of evil is, and at the same time they experience how much Jesus, who never succumbed to its lure, is on our side and comes to our aid. The Our Father, the Holy Father, concluded, reminds people that the best gift people have received from Jesus is his constant presence and peace, which is stronger than any and every evil. This is our hope. The strength that Jesus gives us is here. He is here in our midst, Pope Francis said, giving people the strength to persevere. Pope Francis, reminding us that Jesus can help free us from evil. Our Truth Topic of the Week. Well, my brothers and sisters, we have come to the end of this relatively short uh, episode 182 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. Again, let us remember this weekend, if you're hearing this when I'm recording it, Memorial Day, a time to reflect on the sacrifice that our brothers and sisters made for us in giving their lives so that podcasts like this can happen, that we can speak up for the truth of Jesus Christ. If you have any feedback about the podcast that you wish to share, please email me at deaconstevew, all lowercase, at gmail.com. As we continue our journey in Easter, let us pray to open ourselves to God's love to be a people who will hear that love, experience it, hear his word, and be in his peace. May we learn to love as our Lord lives, uh, loves us, completely, freely, unconditionally, and sacrificially. Let us pray. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, God willing, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.